Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor, where new signings are guaranteed a great debut. Join and choose your welcome offer at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hi, guys. It's Trevor Tulliba here, and you're listening to the Blue Day Podcast. Fellow Chelsea supporters, here at the Blue Day podcast, it is my privilege to welcome our guest this week. He is one of the current members of the Chelsea amputee team. He is Michael Ishiguzo. Hope I got that name right. Michael, yeah. how are you, sir? Oh, I'm very, very okay, Keith. Uh, thanks for having me on your show today. No, I, the, the pleasure's all mine, Michael. It's been sort of nice to sort of speak to you and a couple of the other guys from the Chelsea amputee team and obviously get your views and thoughts and everything that's been going on sort of since you guys started with the Chelsea amputee team. So it's been nice to discuss it. Um, I want to start the interview, if I can, Michael, by asking about your earliest memories of watching football and falling in love with the game. Oh, uh, to be honest with you, I can't remember. I can't remember because... uh... You're not that old. Come on. Oh, yeah, it's not about <laughs> being old. It's about the fact that all my life is all about is being about football. Mm. You know, I can't tell you I fell in love with football at a certain time because I I know that I grew up playing football and loving it. Mm-hmm. So to be on uh, uh on the more modern side, I would like to say that I've been in love with football from the time I was born, you know. So, the most beautiful thing ever, man. Who were your idols growing up as a kid? Ah, uh, I'm from Nigeria, of course. You know that. And uh, growing up, uh, we looked up to the players like Rashidi Yekini, mm-hmm. uh Dana Mokachi, JJ Okocha, George Finidi. JJ, yeah. Oh man, these guys were. People that makes us just want to play football. Brilliant. Brilliant. I remember uh, this was when he's Bolton days, JJ Okocha, every time he sort of played against Chelsea, didn't play too bad, but there were other moments he was superb with the football at his feet and a really, really fine player to watch. Yes, JJ. I think JJ is is one of uh, the... uh, most unluckiest footballer that ever lived. You know, uh, I'm saying that because of the clubs that he played for and the, you know, uh, the status that he has is is just too below the skills that he possessed. Yeah. You know, JJ, is uh, he should have been known more than right now. You know, I think he... 
he started playing before Messi and Ronaldinho and the rest of them. And he he was brilliant, man. He was brilliant. So I think he's a bit underrated or unlucky to have played in, in the little, little clubs that he played for. Imagine if if JJ had played for like Chelsea and the rest of them. You know what we'll be talking about right now. I get that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's safe to say, Michael, you've had an extraordinary life so far. Being a professional footballer at the age of 17 in your native Nigeria, what was life like for you back then, being a footballer in Nigeria? Uh, basically, I'll probably say football is uh, was the only thing that I, 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 I know. And... Uh, Coming from where I came from in Nigeria, it was like, uh, it was like a savior. You know, it was uh, a game that actually took me out from the streets, you know, uh, put me a little bit in the right part, you know, the right part of life. So football was, uh, it was like everything that I know, you know, so For me, I am who I am today because I played football, basically. And it was at that time when you was playing out in Nigeria that you picked up a bad injury, which unfortunately caused you greater distress sort of further down the line. When you picked up that tackle, because I believe it was in training, wasn't it? When you had that bad injury. Did you feel at that point that the injury wasn't going to be as bad as obviously how it turned out. Did you sort of feel that you might be able to to get back from this point or what was your initial thoughts when you first had this bad injury? To be honest with you, uh, I wasn't thinking at that time. At that point, I couldn't think. I, I know that I broke my tibia. It was completely broken into two. Like it was not a fracture. The, 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 the leg completely snapped into two. Uh, at that time, I was thinking, uh, what is going on? Do you know what I mean? I was thinking what's going on. And uh, with the poor medical facilities that we had back then, it was uh, uh, days after the injury, I, I knew that this is football is gone football is gone you know because at, at the time i i thought it could be fixed and everything but i realized that it was not working by the time we realized uh how not working it is i've already contracted the gangrene so by the time we finally made it to proper hospital and stuff like that there was nothing they could do than to amputate and at that point, I knew that that's it for me. And because of the shocking news that occurred to you, when you look back on it now, how much did it affect you mentally, being the fact that how you started and you was becoming a, a predominant footballer, did it affect you in a way that you felt looking back now maybe required some counselling or along along them lines? Uh, 
I'm a very, very firm believer in God. Mm-hmm. And I believe that uh, most things or everything happens uh, for a reason. And that man up there, he knows about everything. Do you know what I mean? So uh, uh, to answer that, I think I never had time to, I never had time to think about my mental health because uh as soon as I came out from the hospital, I, I got into disability sports. So I didn't have time to think about the effects that uh, the injuries caused because I kind of just, you know, progressed, moved on to something else. And I thought, I think that was the, the, that was my, my turning point in life. You know, that, didn't give me the chance to feel sorry for myself or start thinking about what could have been, you know. So I just got into disability sports. I started throwing javelin and shot put, and my whole focus that I had in football was kind of channeled into that. Try to succeed in that field, and thank God that it happened. And you know, it just moved on from there. Well, talk about moving on. It was pretty much fast track to being part of the 2000 Paralympic Olympic Games, which I was stunned about when I was going through the research. Oh man, um, unbelievable sort of stat to, to sort of come up with. You competed in the javelin competition. Yeah, tell us about this fantastic experience for you. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It is unbelievable, man. Trust me. Ah, Sydney 2000 was, I'm still looking forward to, I'm going to go back to Sydney for at least for a week. Brilliant. It was the most beautiful place I've ever been. I've been the, uh, the, the, the Paralympic time. The atmosphere was amazing. You know, I was privileged to, I wouldn't say privileged, I kind of worked hard, you know, because I thought that was the only thing that uh, can make me survive as a person in Nigeria. I had to do something and do it as to the best of my ability. So I represent Nigeria in the All-African Games before Sydney and all that, but Sydney was just... How do they say that the cream de la cream or has exactly they are man? It was an amazing experience, man. Amazing experience. That's Trust su- me. that's superb. I mean, the, even the overall occasion of it, obviously, being what happened to you a couple of years you know, prior and getting to that point. Who would you say? was encouraged you to stay in sport was there anybody in particular obviously when you picked up the injury and you had to have your leg amputated was there anybody whether it was family or friends that supported you to the point that they encouraged you to go you know Michael you can stay in sport here you know was there anybody in in particular that helped you with that well to be honest with you I had a quite a good uh, uh, friend network around me at the time. Uh, Nobody kind of encouraged me. I was just being supported, 
in the sense that I decided to do this and nobody said don't. Do you know what I mean? I kind of started and every everyone just kind of decided to like follow. You know, uh, I had uh, friends who, in they helped me a lot in the sense that uh, I was not looked down at. You know, having lost my one leg and stuff, it was quite a norm back then in Nigeria that as soon as you become uh, incapacitated or disabled, you become a second-class citizen, you know. But I didn't get all of that from the people that I knew from before. Everyone kind of treated me like from before. There was no change in treatment. There was no change in behavior. So I was seen to be the same Marco that I used to be, you know, not like uh, people trying to do stuff for me because I can't do it myself. No, I didn't get none of that. My friends, they treated me like I was just me, you know, and I think that that was one of the things that helped me, you know, to achieve the things that I achieved, you know, uh, because it never gave me that sense of... Uh, disability or yeah physically impaired i didn't have that they i didn't have to feel like that because people around me never let me feel that way to say sure and when was the moment that you decided that you wanted to get back into football but play the amputee game ah uh, never stop playing football I'd never, not for one day. The only time I didn't play football was the three months I was in the hospital. And from the day I came out from the hospital, the next day I was playing football on my crutches with my friends on two legs. Wow. So I never stopped. Wow. <laughs> I, I never stopped. The only thing was that in Nigeria back then, we didn't have an organized amputee football uh, league or anything. I was probably the only amputee back then that could actually play football on crutches. So it was just me. So I didn't have a choice. My life, everything I knew was about football. So I was still going to training with my friends, you know. And when I go with them, sometimes I just can't sit down and watch. You know, sometimes I just jump in with my crutches and they let me. So and the first time I played on crutches, it was like I never left. So I didn't have to beg for them to let me play the next time because they already knew that, yeah, if you allow him on crutches, he's going to score you. So play him the same way you play a guy on two feet. So I never stopped. <laughs> Great story. Because you then played for Arsenal amputee team, didn't you? Quite a, quite a while ago. When did you decide that this was going to be the bit where you would then become, you know, a, an amputee footballer. How how did that sort of move come for you and what was the differences that you had to make in your own life to get to that point? Well, when I... Uh, after, the, after the Paralympic Games, I kind of came back to Nigeria because I kind of came, came to London, England, because it was obvious that that was nothing actually really for me left in Nigeria. So I came to UK in order to pursue my athlete, athletics uh, career in javelin and 
shop, which I did for a couple of years. I was representing this. I was in the Southern League for Kent Athletics. I was throwing javelin bar. I did a couple of uh, competitions here in the UK, in Birmingham and Manchester and at the Athletics Open Championships and all that. Uh, it got to a point that I wasn't really getting what I wanted, you know, in terms of where I see myself. Uh, because of some circumstances surrounding me being in the UK at the time, uh, it was a bit frustrating. I I can only compete in competitions that are here in the UK. I can't go out at the time. So I looked at it wasn't really... It wasn't really what I wanted because the heights, the, the height I wanted to attain in Aflexis, that circumstance wouldn't let me. So I I came across Amputee Football way back as 2004 when Amputee Football was just starting in the UK. Played for a couple of teams like Wembley, Southend United, Oxford United were just playing until recently when it became properly, when it became a proper, proper, uh, well-organized uh, league. I uh, started playing for Arsenal and that's about six, seven years ago, I think. Yeah, before now. Because also, it got to a stage where you weren't just playing amputee football for your club, but you was looking to play it for your country. And one fascinating story that, again, I found on the research was back in 2018, the World Cup was being held in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. And you was looking to participate with Nigeria and you had a certain individual help out in terms of the funding because it, back then there was a little bit of an issue with the f- amputee footballers had to, to get their own funding sorted for the to go to the World Cup, excuse me. And you had a certain John Obi Mikel help out in terms of getting the Nigeria team funded to participate in the World Cup. What, yeah, a, yeah. what a story and experience that is. Tell us oh. a little bit more about that. Oh, man. It was uh, basically I I was with the England national team, the provisional sport, and uh, I kind of did not make the cut for the World Cup. And Nigerian national team, they, they qualified actually, and uh, but they, they didn't have the funding to to travel. And the government was not supporting them. And uh, I was contacted by a friend of mine from Nigeria and told me the predicament these guys were going through. And at that time, they qualified for the World Cup twice and they didn't make it. And this third one was their last chance. If they did not make it, then they would be banned from coming to the World Cup for a certain amount of time. So when I heard that, I... I thought, man, this is, I, I'm just going to help in whatever way I can. Hmm. So I opened a GoFundMe account back here and uh, I got in touch with Mikel. Uh, I got in touch with Mikel. Oh, man, <laughs> I, I got in touch with him. And we explained everything that was going on uh, to him. And luckily, he he kind of helped in his own way. 
You know, we all put heads together. Mikel bought a couple of tickets for a couple of players. And uh, with the bit of money that we raised, we were able to send the national, the Nigerian national team to the World Cup. And, you know, it was just one great moment in my life again, even though I did not go to the World Cup, but to help people like myself, you know, to get down there and experience experience that moment. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest moments for me. And it was very significant because as I was going through the research and I was looking at different articles, it wasn't just the fact that he helped finance it. It was the fact that he was promoting, he was making it aware to people about amputee football. And he was making aware about you guys having this ambition and goal to participate in the World Cup. And he, he helped, obviously, with his stature in the game to put this into new heights. And yep. that tells you a lot about the man outside of the game rather than the actual footballer. The actual footballer, yeah. He mm. he was quite instrumental in helping to get the guys down there because, because of his involvement, a couple of Nigerian national team players, like the current captain of the national team right now, Ahmed Musa, they give big money. They give big money in Nigeria. Like they kind of brought half of the money that was needed, you know, to mm. to get the guys down to Mexico. And it, yeah, he he was a big part of it. He was a big part of it. And again, that must have been a huge moment for your teammates as well as yourself to have your that team go to Mexico, did, did, silly question probably, but did the guys enjoy it? And how did they get on, obviously, with the experience in Mexico? I think they enjoyed it. They, they, they enjoyed like uh, Those of us that are from Nigeria uh, that was into sports back then, especially the disability sports that did not have uh, the big backing of the government or anybody else, uh, most of the boys that are into sports, they just want to travel. They just want to see other places apart from Nigeria. Traveling out of the country for the one or two weeks uh, is a huge thing for them, you know. And traveling not just for sightseeing, but to participate in the World Cup, I think it was a turning point to uh, for most of the boys that actually went, you know. It was a big thing for them. Yeah. Now, back to domestic matters. During your time at the moment as a amputee footballer, you've been quite successful in terms of trophies. You've won two League Cups and the FA Disability Cup. How's that sort of memories for you when you look back on your career so far and you look at those achievements? You know, that must make you Im immensely proud. Of course, of course. You should know what it is. When you were growing up, we're all looking forward to playing for uh, big teams in Europe, playing for Chelsea and the rest of them. Though the dream was to play uh, with two, uh, two feet, but you know it's sweeter that the dream did not die. I did not let that dream die. You know, at some somehow I got to that. Uh, that place that I wanted to be in terms of my football life, yeah, the big money is not rolling in, 
but at least the achievement, the 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 dream of playing for a big club in Europe. You know, imagine playing for Arsenal and then now playing for Chelsea. Uh, it's more than what anyone can ask for. You know, for me personally, I think it's uh, 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 if I am to die today, I think I'll be happy because I fulfilled most of the dreams that I had for myself when it comes to football. So I think it's a big thing, though. Wonderful. If there was one trophy that you are looking to win, if there's one trophy that you feel that that's one I really want to get my hands on, what would it be? Ah, uh, they are Putu World Cup trophy. World Cup trophy. Yes, I want to be part of a winning team uh, that will win the World Cup. I don't care be for England or Nigeria. I just want to be part of a team that will win it. And before I stop playing, I think that will happen. Well, hopefully. In fact, I won't stop playing until it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me you actually won't. So fair play. Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers crossed. You did move to Chelsea recently. And I've spoken to a couple of your teammates about it and the fact that it was a whirlwind change from the time you, you know, there was a couple of you guys that were at Peterborough and then the situation changed and then the opportunity to play for Chelsea came up. How was this for you in terms of the changes of what you was doing at Peterborough and you know, with Mark and others and then this fantastic opportunity via the Chelsea Foundation to play for Chelsea? Yeah, it's been huge for me in the sense that uh, the way I feel right now, it's different from how I, I felt when it was Peterborough. Because in Peterborough, I never saw myself as a full member of the team because I was on loan to Peterborough because of the league that we had. Uh, we had leagues where we had a championship and a premiership. And a player is allowed to play in both if you want to. You know, uh, the, the premiership is where uh, it's all about the World Cup rules. You know, only players that are on crutches are allowed to play in the premiership. And the championship is uh, an inclusive, uh, inclusive league where people can play on prosthetics or even uh, players with two legs losing one arm can at least can play. It was more inclusive. So, and uh, you can actually, if you not play, if your team is not playing in both, you can go on loan to a team that is playing in the premiership. If your team is only playing, your mother team is only playing in the championship and you feel like you want to play the premiership, you can go on a loan to a team that's in the premiership. So that was how I played for Peterborough because they were in both Premiership and uh, Championship, and I was in Arsenal that could only have a team in the Championship. So I was playing for Peterborough as a lone player, so I did not quite... It was okay. The guys, they're the same guys that are in Chelsea. They were okay, but me personally, you know, I never saw it as my team. But right now in Chelsea, where everyone started afresh, and basically the only team I'm playing for now, I feel more at home more relaxed, I feel I can contribute more in terms of what I do on the pitch and what I do off the pitch. So uh, 
it's been more relaxing and more enjoyable though. And what's it like going to Cobham for training? Not not many people can say that. So how's, how, how's that feel for you? Uh, every time that we have training at Cobham, I feel like a professional. You know, I don't sleep a day before then. I'm thinking about <laughs> <laughs> you know, going into Coburn and uh, Obama Young and uh, Kante driving out and you probably driving in and waving at each other at the gate. Come on, man. It can't be That's better superb. than that. Yes. That is superb. <laughs> can't be better than that, mate. <laughs> and how have you found it playing for Chelsea? Because they've had a couple of games recently. It was against Arsenal and it was against Everton. And you scored a couple of goals against Everton as well. How So so far this season, how, how, how have you sort of been and how do you think the team has progressed in a short space of time? Oh, I mean, we've, we've come up in lips and bounds. The, 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 the group of guys are just amazing. Like we are improving every single month. Every single month we are improving. And uh, where we are right now, I didn't think we were going to be here in a short space of time. You know, how, knowing that we started, we were just like a team, two months, two months, three months old team at the minute. And uh, because of the distance, most of our players can't really make training all the time. You know, so we make do with the people that can actually turn up for training. And the way we've all blended in, both the people that turns up and people that not coming as much, it's just been amazing. You would never know where a team that, you know, find it difficult to make training all the time. It's been amazing. And I think the we progress more. We progress more during the course of the league, then we play more together with each other. And trust me, by this time, towards the end of the league or next year, uh, we will be a team that people will envy. Good. Hopefully. We that... are going to be. Brilliant. Because I know, again, we've the facilities are second to none. And I know that there is some really good quality players in, in the Chelsea team. So hopefully yeah. this season... You know, if if the if the men's first team can't bring a trophy in, hopefully the amputee team. I'm sure we're going to bring even this year. I'm sure we're going to bring some sort of trophy in because we have uh, an amazing group of people yeah. started from the coaches that we have to Mark, who is the captain. It's, we're always buzzing. Trust me, and there's no way. We'll finish this season without bringing a silverware. I don't think that that's not going to be possible. Trust me. Ah, class. Lovely. So, in terms of upcoming fixtures, do you know when the next fixtures are going to be about? Because obviously they're not on a weekly basis. But could you sort of tell the listeners if there's any that would like to possibly attend if of, of any potential dates? Or is that something that hasn't been confirmed yet by the league? Uh, oh, for what one second, I think our next uh fixture, um, uh, it's on the 18th, yeah. Uh, let me be sure. I think 
Uh, they've had a couple of changes with the fixtures at the minute. Right. But I think our next fixture will be... I think I have it somewhere in my phone. Because the last time we played was just amazing. We had a couple of Chelsea supporters that came to watch us play. And it was just so amazing that yeah. at the end of the game, you have people walking up to you and identifying with you as they are Chelsea supporters. And they just came just They've to watch travel to watch the team. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a big, big moment, big experience, man. You know, it's big experience. We would like people to come more and experience uh, our sports. Yes, of course. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm trying to find uh, our fixtures because it's always at the end of um, every month. Right. We play at the end of every month. Once every month in a re- at Rizhit. Can I send it over to you? Yes, by all means. Yes, I, I can send it over, and then I can then I can then sort of um, send it off to the on our socials, so I can put it okay. on Instagram I, and Twitter. Think, yeah, that would be the best thing for yeah, us. Yeah, no, to do. That, that that's fine. That's not a problem at all. In terms of obviously, we've talked about your time with Chelsea at the moment. Just want to sort of get your views on other matters involving football. And I've asked Kieran Lambourne, Neeson, I've asked Mark as well, what's your take on VAR? Are you a proponent of it or are you one that would prefer to get rid of it? No, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get rid of it. Right. Because at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, uh, VAR is there to improve the game. And I can understand how a lot of people feel Sometimes when it don't work in your favor, you're angry. And sometimes when it works in your favor, you're like, yeah, VAR is all good. But it's, it's it, uh, one of the things that breaks my heart in football is uh, getting cheated somehow and getting away with it. You know, back in the days when there was no VAR, imagine if we had VAR, 1986, is it 86? Argentina probably wouldn't have won the World Cup because Maradona probably wouldn't have scored with his hand against England. Mm. It, do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's, mm. it's, it's something that I, I will welcome. You know, I don't, it, it, sometimes, yeah, it's not perfect, but it's watching that the goals that have been disallowed, the goals that have been given. Because of VR, these are things that wouldn't have happened if we didn't have it. And if you later find out that all oh, that goal that stood should have been offside, you know how painful it is. So me, I I I work on VR. I don't see anything wrong with it when it is working perfectly. Okay, interesting point. In terms of the team that Graham Potter's side. Have you watched many of their matches in terms of recent results? Because they have been a little bit iffy. What's been your take on the, the side managed by Graham Potter? Ooh. 
it's one of those things that, you know, you keep asking yourself, what is happening? Where is this coming from? Why is that happening? Looking at the players that we have in Chelsea first team right now, they are amazing couple of players. Uh, Graham Potter himself, I can't fault him as a manager at the minute. We've seen what he's done in Brighton uh, with uh, little or no resources. But I, I think what, what was happening to Chelsea at the time was the fact that both the players that we had in Chelsea, the new ones, the ones that were there before Potter took over and Potter himself, they were not in sync with each other. You know, the ideology of uh, Potter was not really, I don't know, maybe the players were not getting it. They were like people in two different pages. But right. if you look at the recent time we're having Chelsea right now, you can see the Potter effect is beginning to come. It's like the players are beginning to understand or he, Potter, is beginning to understand his players. Because the last few games we've played, you you can see you, you can see the players as individuals and you can see Porter himself as a manager, the two people coming together in sync as one. I don't think we've lost any match recently. You know, we've played how many matches right now and even in the Champions League, uh, I'm so confident that even we're going to beat Madrid because we're beginning to play like a proper team that has a proper manager, like everyone is right now operating on the same page. That's what I think. It also helps when you go to Cobham as well and you see them trade. <laughs> so you probably have a better bird's eye view than somebody to, who's at the shed end from the mouth yeah. because of Havertz, possibly. I know, it's true, true. Are you able to get to Chelsea uh, to watch the... Guys at, at the bridge, do you get the opportunity down then to watch them play? At the minute, no. But uh, a few times, uh, some of the lads have had the opportunity. Me personally, I've not. But I'm hoping that very soon I can and I will. Oh, hopefully. And yeah. it'll be nice to see you down there as well. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> it'll be nice to see you down. Last question, Michael. Again, thank you for coming on to the show today. I do appreciate it. What would you say would be your goals and ambitions for the next stage in your career? So where would you would like to be in the next five years? Or what would you have hoped to have achieved within five years? Well, within five years, um, the next five years, I'm not sure I will be, I'll still be playing. But if I am still playing, the goals will never change. And the goals... The, it's never going to be enough. It does not matter what I've achieved. It does not matter what I will achieve between them. It's never going to be enough until I stop. So if I'm still playing, the goal is still, if I had won a World Cup before then, the goal would still be to win another World Cup. If I had won a Champions League trophy then, the goal would still be to win another one. So the, it's never, it's never going to be enough for me until I stop. And if I stop before then, I still want to be around. I still want to be around and put you football, either as a manager, a cat, whatever it is. I still just want to be around to help the younger ones, you know, to achieve the things that we probably may not achieve ourselves to help others to uh, go past that level. 
that's probably where I see myself. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Blue Day podcast today. Thank you so much for your time. Good luck for the rest of the season with you guys. Hopefully, as you rightfully put, bring one trophy home. That would be nice. And hopefully we'll get to see you down at the bridge quite soon in the future as well. Thank you very much, Keith, man. Thank you for having me. It's been it's been amazing. A very, very big pleasure. It's mine. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Thank you very much, man. Podcast Network.